Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Charlie Adams, Spencer Graham, Gabriel Pesek, Ashley Martinez, Nicola Jane Henfrey, and Toge for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those just Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching The House of the Nightmare Witch. Like hell, we are letting the world end before we finish Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Whole damn world's gonna be under quarantine. They're gonna be looking for things to do. Podcasts? Like, we're, we're keeping it up. And honestly, this we, is our chance to expand our brand. We didn't survive the 80s, only to be not given our reward in, in this, this lovely series. That oh, we I thought enjoy you were so very about much. The world in general. No, we did. The, the 80s no. as a decade was so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, real, from a certain view, was a lot of problems. Reagan and others. <laughs> and others. <laughs> so, what do we got here, Amelia? It's The House of the Nightmare Witch. Uh, our previously on is voiced by Velma. Which tells us that this is going to be a Velma-centric episode. Kind of, I guess. Yeah. I still get that it's a Fred-centric episode. Because it's a Fred-centric so? series. Especially oh, season it, two. It is. But I, I feel, and I, I really appreciate the fact that they do this, that little previously on segment, you know, you have a different character voice it, and that puts a little bit of a clue into who to pay attention to the most in that episode. Episode one, absolutely full Fred. Episode 2, we're finding out new things about Velma that we didn't know in Episode 1. Because she had, she had a very eventful time but, while the gang was separated. But, but Billy... Yes? I don't like Velma. I like Fred. <laughs> Talk about I, Fred. I, tr trust me, Amelia. Look at my notes here. I will be talking about Fred. He's my boy. Just, you know, the, it, this episode... The series is about a gang, and we follow each member of the gang. So good, good on them, letting Velma shine. Did you have anything in the uh, pre-credit sequence that you that you saw at first glance? I didn't have anything in the opening sequence that I no. particularly made note of. Well, then I'll just skip right to the premise then. Let's do it. Yeah, premise perfect. it up, really. Perfect. This probably Let's isn't Woo! The premise of this episode: hot dog water becomes new Daphne. 
as Mr. Ink face a haunted house with chicken legs. And I know what you're thinking. That's great that Mr. Ink got to eat chicken legs while they were facing <laughs> down that haunted house. But no. Just a bucket of chicken in with them. It's the <laughs> yeah. only way to get Shaggy and Scooby in the haunted house. Exactly. A bucket of chicken. <laughs> Will you do it for Scooby snacks? No. How about a bucket of KFC? Wasn't KFC one of the brands in the movie that was like the product placement? It was like KFC or Burger King, depending on the region. I I feel like I remember someone eating like a crispy chicken sandwich in the second movie, I think. There's de- there's definitely a moment where he's holding a cup. Yeah. They're, they're, and it's like a CGI soft drink. He's coming out of the limo at the beginning of the second movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one we watched was KFC. Okay. Factoid. <laughs> that I'm sure we covered. Factoid. Product placement. Yeah, it exists. <laughs> uh, but no. Like I said, the gang don't have chicken legs. The house they face does. And, I mean, this is... If you are a fan of cryptids, you already know. That's the goddamn Baba Yaga house. How has it taken this many years for us to face down at Baba Yaga? Like, I can totally see that happening in, like, 1972. Look, it's the ghost of the Baba Yaga. No. They were the Soviet Union in 1972. <gasps> Ooh, fuck, you're right. That they explains were, it. They were gonna not do anything Russian. That's a very good point of why they didn't do the Baba Yaga until now. I don't think these world-traveling children made it to Russia until Velma took them the- there for a hockey game. I, I'm curious now. I'm gonna check that on Scoobypedia right away. Okay, so Laugh Olympics doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, but here's the premise of that one, which might be interesting to you. A moose marathon and a Cossack dancing race was held there. Those aren't part of the Olympics. Those are not Olympic sports. Another factoid. Yeah, factoid. Laugh yeah. Olympics Fuck. was terrible, and I'm glad we didn't cover it. You know what? So if you're not counting the DC Comics continuity, which, you know, they're comics, it's a spinoff, you're right. What's new Scooby-Doo? Diamonds are a ghoul's best friend the first time they visited Russia. And here, Mr. Incorporated, the second. So who do you want to start with first? Fred, obviously. Obviously. Obviously Fred. Let's talk about Fred. He is shaven. Yes. He's got a new shirt. He's ready to start his life anew here in Crystal Cove by returning to class. But he's worried that no one's going to remember him. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> this this would be like Buffy Summers going back to her high school after she blew it up and being like, gee, I wonder if anyone remembers me. Like, yeah, Buffy, you blew up the fucking <laughs> high school. We remember you. Fred's on the same level as that. Fred, you were not only the captain of the soccer team who abandoned the soccer. You were the son of the mayor. People know the son of, well, I don't know if people know the sons of mayors. Maybe not in a. In, in this a, town, yeah. it feels like it. For sure. In a small town, you would know if someone you were going to school with was the son of the mayor. Although he does seem to be more remembered as that mystery-solving guy. He's got a lot of things going on for him. Mm-hmm. Like how uh, he has a teddy bear named Mr. Trapples. <laughs> yes. So that we first see that in, honestly, a really sad sequence. Because we see that Fred is essentially squatting in his old house. Like, the ha- the house is seemingly abandoned. Fred is just living there. It's not abandoned if 
one of the people that used to live there is still living there, Billy. Yeah, but he he's living there as if it's abandoned. The way he has his laundry strung up across the room, the fact that he's eating pizza and cans of beans, that he this boy doesn't know how to take care of himself. He's been through a lot. Yes, yes. And he never knew where the laundry room was to begin with, so yeah. I don't know how you expect him to wash his ascots there. Appreciate him washing his ascots in general. Is. Yeah, 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 I guess. <laughs> it was a nice moment between him and Shaggy. I honestly really thought Shaggy was going to, like, offer Fred to come stay with him. But then not. Not, because it didn't happen. I mean, there's there's room in the future, but if this were a CW series... That definitely would have been the moment where Shaggy, like, encouraged Fred to come live. Is Fred the jughead of the Scooby gang? Have we had it wrong all these years? You're basing all CW shows off Archie, off Riverdale. I I don't think in Legends of Tomorrow anyone has, like, encouraged Constantine to move in with them. Oh, Legends of Tomorrow is a fun show. That could have happened. But... (laughs) Well, I don't encourage anyone to invite John Constantine into their house, No, they will lose their soul. Don't do that. Also, he smokes. It's gonna get in your walls. Yeah, if if you want to fuck him, go back to his flat. Don't invite him into yours. The reason I brought up Archie Comics, though, is because Shaggy is often compared to Jughead a lot. Like, you have a lot of um, surface-level comparisons to Jughead. But it's interesting. Here, you have Shaggy from the stable home, the good family, and Fred's out here being a bit of a wild boy. Not emotionally stable. Shaggy's parents don't really treat him well. well who, who, who amongst us is emotionally stable in this day and age? This was a different time. This was 2012, when That's everyone true. had their shit together. Shaggy doesn't invite Fred to live with him, but he, he, you're correct, he does show concern about how Fred is talking to Mr. Trapples, like Mr. Yeah, Trapples is alive. Shaggy, uh, you and Scooby's relationship is a little fucking weird, too. So maybe don't judge Fred. And, okay, so last season, it was Scooby that had the puppet, right? Yeah. Scooby had the puppet that was replacing Shaggy. Yeah. I, I feel like they would very much empathize with fred in this moment here they would see what he is going through in terms of his abandonment did mr trapples appear in season one at all if we go back will we see a teddy bear on fred's bed we might there's an episode where we see pericles sneak in to fred's bedroom while he's sleeping and i think he is cuddling something yeah i I know we definitely do see fred's bedroom mr trapples might be a a long-standing friend, obviously. He's a very beat-up teddy bear. He is. This is a teddy bear that has seen some loving. And tender repair. Maybe at the hands of a child whose needlework isn't quite up to snuff. But that just shows the real love. Fred has, has a little bit of a journey to go on in this episode. Because they try and bring on Marcy as new Daphne to the group. He says that he's he's... He's going to call Marcy hot dog water and not new Daphne. You shouldn't call her either, Freddie. Your name's Marcy. <laughs> but neither are nicknames that Marcy really wants to be called. Especially he... not new Daphne. And he, he's conflicted because, like, obviously, like, Daphne was more than just a member of the gang to him. He loves Daphne. So I understand him being hesitant to include Marcy in the group. But you know what? He does try to include her. 
when they're being attacked by Baba Yaga, he is genuinely protective of Marcy. But grabs her mm -hmm. out of the way of danger like she's a sack of potatoes. And I just have to say, that's the dream right there. Be grabbed by Fred Jones, slung yeah. over his shoulder like you're a bag of potatoes. He, he had, like, arms around her, just protective-like. That's a man. But we have that sequence at the end of the episode where they're in the van, and Fred says, I am happy you're here. And then he says all the reasons why he would prefer Daphne, but then he's like, oh, no offense, I, I am happy you're here. Yeah, so he, he is... He's, he's happy to have a new friend, mm -hmm. but he misses Daphne. And he, I think it's tough the way they keep presenting her as new Daphne. And he's just making sure that she's aware, like, look, I'm, I'm not going to fall in love with you right now. Or, or maybe ever. I think it's also, in Fred's mind, they, he thinks they expect him to fall in love with her yeah. and just completely replace it. Yeah. I, I'm... Fred handles it well. He's obviously in pain, but I like that none of that pain is taken out at Marcy in any way. He genuinely, like, invites her to the group, but lets her know that he's hurting. She didn't ask. No. Uh, he, in fact, assails her with his <laughs> angst and drama without her so much as saying a word to him. But that's just Fred Jones. They may have cleaned him up, but he, he's still scarred underneath. He's still a dirty hobo in his heart. You know what would have been funny? If they shaved the beard but left him with the long hair while, <laughs> while Shaggy has the short hair. And that actually would have played really well in the scene if, like, Shaggy were to then invite him in. Like, it's a role reversal. The concept of time confuses Fred Jones. Don't try to explain it to him because he won't listen. He's Same. <laughs> he says it so casually that the concept of time confuses him. Well, it's a man-made construct that's worthless. I just think that's such a good line. <laughs> it It's so probably killed at the table read. Probably, The first yeah. time that they all heard it. Because he says it perfectly, too. This is just, like, the best version of Fred that could ever possibly exist. It's a nuanced Fred. It's a Fred with depth. But still, still a shallowness. I, I know that doesn't make sense, but he's an innocent boy. Naivety. Na yes. What you're going for. That's 100% what I'm going for. Uh, moving on to the Scooby and Shaggy shenanigans. They, they open this episode pretty much. Is their first line in this episode about how much they want to eat homemade prison candy? <laughs> Um, no, uh, because before, before that, that is when they meet Marcy. Um, I do have a note here that they're going to eat deep fried chili clam poppers. So that's something that they were excited about. And then they get just as excited about prison candy. Prison, her homemade prison, well, I guess all prison candy would be homemade. If you consider a prison a cell a home. Oh, that too. Scooby doesn't just like the prison candy, he also likes the way Marcy smells. Because, you know, her nickname is Hot Dog Water because she bathes in the water that they boil the hot dogs in. But they don't live at, like, the amusement park anymore. They just live in, like, their rundown house that would presumably have water. He, her dad still eats a lot of hot dogs. It's a problem. <laughs> 
Um, so unlike Fred, who is totally clean shaven and back to normal this episode, Shaggy still has short hair. It, so he's also clean shaven. He no, no. You opened that thought with Fred being clean shaven. Well, because I think Fred's most notable feature in the last episode was his beard, whereas Shaggy's most notable was his buzz cut. So it's it's kind of cool that they're letting Shaggy take a few episodes to grow that back out. It's you know the concept of time clearly doesn't confuse the showrunners. We're made to believe before, I think, the either the first or the second commercial break that Shaggy has died. They have been thrown out of the Baba Yaga's house <laughs> yep. at a grand height of, like, maybe four feet. And Shaggy is seen, eyes closed, grimace on the ground. Scooby's distraught, grabs him in his arms. He's my Shaggy. I should be the one to bury him. Amazing scene. <laughs> what the fuck? From the fact that we go to commercial thinking Shaggy might be dead, <laughs> the fact that Scooby is gonna bury him right then and there, bravo. It, it was, I mean, it's, it's some black humor, but it's good. <laughs> Shaggy does live, and he, and he tells Scooby not to treat him like one of his bones. Both that he doesn't want Scooby to eat his corpse when he dies. Nor does he wish to be buried alive. Mm -hmm. Both things that you shouldn't have to tell your sentient dog. Maybe tell your regular dog, but not the one that can speak English. <laughs> they could have had this conversation beforehand, is what I'm saying. Uh, well, as Shaggy drafted his will, he could have made it clear whether or not he wanted Scooby to bury him. This group of kids been getting into shenanigans since literally... Like, toddlerhood. And Shaggy's he's got very, his will. He's very afraid of things all the time. There's no way this boy is not prepped for his premature death. He's got his funeral playlist all picked out. Mm -hmm. The finger foods are gonna serve. He won't be able to partake in any of them. He hasn't figured that out yet. Don't but, break his yeah. heart further by telling him. He's just excited for a party. 2012 Shaggy. What song does he want played at his funeral? Bold of you to assume that I remember any music from 2012. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe MGMT Kids. <laughs> Seems like it's from the appropriate era. Don't call me on it if it's not. I think it was much before. I think it was like 2009 that song was okay. popular. Okay, yeah, 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 that sounds right. Does he listen to current popular music or would he want like uh, Ashes to Ashes played at or his funeral? Or like Jerry Reed's. Pretty Mary Sunlight going. That's not the tune of the song. Also, maybe learn lyrics before you start trying to sing something. That's it. Well, you know, a lot of songs back in the day, they went like... That was a little Bob Dylan. Shaggy and Scooby are very welcoming of Marcy as well. The whole gang is, really. Um, they try to teach her the important things about mystery solving. It's a few key points. Food, running away, traps, food, and running away. They stumble on the order a few times, but I think that's the one they eventually landed on. Also, when did they learn crossbows? Is it that hard to learn a crossbow? I guess not, but it's just odd to see Fred be like, Shaggy, Scooby, crossbows! And then they kick open the back doors and start firing off crossbows like this is what they do. <laughs> well, once you put the bolt in, all you have to do is pull a trigger. Fred could have been the one that loaded. The crossbows. Right. Okay. So he had like and one good shot lined up. I really don't think they're as hard as you're making them. And I guess they were, 
you know, the joke is, oh, you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. They're literally firing them at a house. A chicken-legged house. Well, this will be a quick category. The Daphne Dilemma. Has big knuckles. Revealed today, she has big knuckles. What? Do you not remember this? I don't at all. Fred takes her hand uh, when they go to her to identify the Fabergé egg. And he's just like, oh, you're just as soft as I remember. And, oh, have your knuckles always been this big? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she's a knuckle cracker. <laughs> right. Oh. That's what we're learning here. We're learning more and more about Daphne every day. My first note for Daphne was actually a bit of a question. Because we see her dating Baylor Hotner. And I was going to ask if she is even going to speak in this episode. Because I kind of liked that they just saw her from afar and she ghosted them. But we do go to her house and we get one specific scene with Daphne. Where, as you said, she has to identify a Fabergé egg. Yes. Um, according to Fred, Daphne, her distinct scent, as some people, you know, have because of lotion or perfume. Daphne's specific scent is that of a baby fawn covered in honey. It's a beautiful image. Is it? If not a bit it's, disturbing. It's like a, a beehive fell on a baby fawn and now it's in terrible distress. <laughs> Sticky and stung up by bees. Yeah, I would much rather the baby fawn be like near some jars of honey. And maybe, you know, fawns are notoriously gangly. So maybe they knock over some of that honey and it's like, whoa, but it's okay. Because the fawn's in good spirits. Fred also makes a little list. He, he gives us three reasons why Daphne is crucial to the gang. She handles clues, calling me Freddy, and blinking. That's when, he, that's when he's like, have your knuckles always been that big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was probably making this note when he said the knuckles thing. Yeah. Um, so of, I thought the knuckles was more prudent no, to mention. No, I like the list because they make it very clear that Daphne is somewhat crucial in interpreting these clues. Like, but at the same time, one of her greatest attributes is blinking. Oh, I hated that. You don't think that's a satirical look at the fact that Daphne does fuck all in the group? It absolutely (laughs) is. And that's why I'm, I love for the satirical reason that it's there. But for practical purposes of Fred listing it, fuck you. Calling me Freddy. All right, that's, that's funny. Clues is great because it really puts into place like, you know, Shaggy and Scooby stumble across clues. Daphne interprets the clues. Then what does Velma do? Velma puts the clues together once they've been interpreted. And Fred is the trappist. I don't like putting the IST on the <laughs> No, I don't track. like it either. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too close to something else. I know. A smidge. Having a little fun there. <laughs> um, I also have a note here that Daphne calls Baylor Hotner's Back abs, babs, those back abs are disturbing. Yeah, did you make a note that I visibly went, ugh, when we saw them? (laughs) Men, if your abs are on the back of you, I was gonna- I I don't think you know what the front of you is if they're on the back of you. I was gonna tell them to seek help, but you know what? Right now it can probably wait. Uh, The medical staff are busy. Deal with back abs on your own. The Velma Vision. The Velma Vision. The opening of this episode is her working as like a 
a cybernetic looking fucking spy with Marcy. Oh, they're totally spies. I'm not saying that they're not spies. I'm saying that they look like cybernetic cyborgs or something, you know? Like, why have you... I was making a reference to the television series Totally Spies that I can see hasn't landed. No, it has not. (laughs) No. There were three Totally Spies. Well, Daphne needs to rejoin the gang. And Martin Mystery was better than Totally Spies anyway, so... That's who you should be watching from that French production yeah. company. But yeah, that's what we see, it, you know, in flashback, I think would be fair to say, is that Velma and Marcy are spies working for Mr. E. They were sent to Russia to steal the Baba Yaga house. I don't know where he expected them to put it. And then it seems like his backup <laughs> plan was, all right, I'll just buy it and have it shipped over. Yeah, you learn that there's a box in the house that contains another piece of the planet spheric disk. Mm. But... Were they just supposed to maybe steal the planet spheric disk in the first place? It's possible they were just trying to get into the Baba Yaga house, but it kind of seemed like they were sent there to steal the whole exhibit. The way that Mr. E was just like, fine, fuck it, I'll buy it. You know, like, it's like Mr. E wanted the house, not what was inside the house. And it's like, how are they supposed to smuggle that out of the museum? Well, see, that's why I don't think they were supposed to steal the house, is because there's no no practical way to do that. that... Or unless they went there and they're like, hey, Mr. E, this is actually a fucking house. We can't do it. That is what it seemed like. Okay. I will take it as that's what it seemed like. Just like right now, it seems like you're pissing me (laughs) off. But in actuality, we're having a ball. In actuality, I'm even madder. (laughs) Well, I'm going to try and get you back on my side. How do you feel about this Velma-Marcy team-up? Velma is the one that pitches Marcy as the new Daphne. Mm -hmm. Still fucking calls her hot dog water. (laughs) I'm, I'm mad that she isn't calling her Marcy now that they've had some time together. I I love that Velma's had a secret little life, though. I feel like her and Marcy should have been friends beforehand. They're clearly both outcasts Mm -hmm. for different reasons. They're both hyper-intelligent. Do you think maybe- They're both lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably the fact that the gang has been so closely knit has prevented them from really falling in with- what you would expect would be their traditional friends. Like, you know, in in a world where they never find mystery, maybe Fred is closer with those soccer bros. Maybe Shaggy never leaves his D&D group that we'll see in a later episode. And Velma? Banging celebrities. Oh my god. And Daphne? Banging celebrities. Well... Apparently she does that whether or not there's mysteries abound, so... (laughs) It's just whether Babs are in the picture. My last note for Velma is that she has some very stereotypical stuff to say about Russia. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, all right, let me think Russian. Um, Frozen tundra, borscht, muscular women, amber boxes. Amber boxes was a bit of a... Non sequitur, if yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I think muscular women might be a little insulting. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I'm like, Velma, you're better than that. I really liked in this episode, uh, when they find the planospheric disc, and Fred's like, we know you're working for Mr. E, and that's why you're doing it. 
And she's like, no, Fred, I, yeah, I work for Mr. E, but I'm doing this for us. There's a moment of hesitation of whether she's going to be believed. But then she is. And Fred really does believe that she's on their side. That's nice to see. That's, in this crazy world of ours, to have that scene and actually have it resolved as like, I do believe you. I love you. Let's go on. Yeah. That's great. That Velma doesn't try and cover her tracks at all and immediately tries to hand over the piece of the disc to Fred because Fred was the one that was in charge of them last time they were collecting them. Yes, and so perfectly within Fred's character to trust her. He's got a big heart. Once you're in it, you've got a room of your own. It's like a cow's heart. It has different chambers. Don't all hearts have chambers? Yes, probably. I'm thinking of stomachs. Yeah. He's got a lot of stomachs. He does. He can eat and eat and eat. <laughs> um, on to our major minor mentions. A lot of play here for Mr. E. Mr. E, yes. He has employed Velma and Marcy to do his international spy work because his physique probably doesn't allow for much movement. Exactly. So... But he's got a lot of money. If we're so, going to be honest, I wouldn't put either of these girls at really the physical fitness level you need for spydom. Well, hey, we know Velma's a tank. Marcy, we were But are they newly agile? Do they have any kind of hand-to-hand combat fighting? Well, that's what's kind of no, like... interesting about seeing them in this, is that it shows a side of Velma that we don't always see. Velma in What's New was fucking gasping for a gym membership in the Greek episode. Yeah. But here, she'll kick your fucking ass. She just chooses not to. Sure. That's how you want to interpret it. Um, continuing on with Mr. E, gotta say, love the little keytar. That's very in character for fans such as him. As is making vague threats about uh, the lives of teenagers. <laughs> he put hot dog water in the position of joining Mystery Inc. And he is just a fucking asshole about it. He warns her not to side with them because their days are numbered. But like, there's there's like a real ominous threat to her even there. Like, you better do what I want. I put you there. I own you. Maybe not in such terms, but I don't know. No, but like... I just got really... Physically look at Mr. E and then compare him to how people like that in real life look and how they treat women. Which, uh, it's, and it's, it, it's just it's, like it's the, the guitar. It, it was the power, di- it's not just visual, the power dynamics are well, a big thing there. Just like the guitar, it's something that a man such as Mr. E is very much going to have. <laughs> yeah, um, that whole scene, Mr. E, you are not so likable to me today. The mayoral mandate and the Bronson Stone beat kind of combined, I feel like these can be. Yes, Bronson still doesn't like Mayor Nettles and is trying to do her job because he made up an imaginary rule where if he arrests an acting mayor, he gets to be mayor. And he's like gaslighting this woman unbelievably. And I hate it. I don't like Bronson Stone. This is not a good look for any white man. Well, did, did he keep that up in this episode, too? Yeah. Oh. 
You see, because for me, they had a glorified cameo in this episode. In this they episode, they showed up in the woods. He's just like, "Oh, looks like we." I'm paraphrasing. Looks like we've got a tourist trap, and she says, "You're not the mayor." Oh, okay. And then he, along the lines of, "Well, I should be." Right. Okay. Let's move. Let's move that right along. Bronson Stone, let's get you back to likable territory, too. Was he ever in that territory for me? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was cheering for dead justice showing him up. I think you were. (laughs) Uh, And then we have... Well, I was going to introduce this as the minor, minor mentions, but I do feel bad putting Marcy in that category. Well, she's not sticking around for long. True, so I I guess she qualifies by it. Um, Marcy's out of prison. She's on probation, to be exact, because she redesigned the prison's computer system to be more brutal and unforgiving. Which, like, how? Knives. From where? Cameras, if they spot you. Knife, knife, knife. Like, shooting them? Yeah. Like, projectiles? Because now you've got prisoners that have (laughs) knives. Well, isn't that cruel? Because those, you know what they're going to do with those knives? They're going to... They're going to show them off, and the other prisoners are going to be jealous. And I'm like, oh, I want a knife. And he's like, too bad, I got it. Yeah, and then they're, they're all going to figure out how to get knives, and then they're going to stab all the guards. No, Which probably wouldn't. deserve it, honestly. They wouldn't do that. Not those nice prisoners. I wouldn't say that uh, prison guards are the sect of society we have to protect the most. They're most likely all assholes. <laughs> do you think Marcy actually... Got out because of that reprogramming, or do you think Mr. E got her out? Because that's kind of the um, the implication I feel in the final scene. Yeah, well, like, she's also a minor, too, so she shouldn't have been probably have yeah. been sent to jail in the first place. I mean, she was pretending to be a mythical creature. Is there really... On her own property. On her own property. <laughs> she did hurt some people, but... Yeah. I don't know. A, a good lawyer could probably get her off. She probably needed to be in some sort of, like, home for wayward teens, not a prison. I noted that she got the front seat of the mystery machine. Yeah, I don't understand why she gets the front seat. I think maybe, you know, they're trying to ease her in. They're still trying to sell her on the gang. Hey, have a good seat in the van. Maybe this could be your permanent seat. And isn't, that's where Daphne normally sits, right? Yeah. She's new Daphne. Yes. I want to make note that she calls Velma V very affectionately, and uh, that she has to introduce herself as Marcy to Velma after they've already been doing spy shit for Mr. E. You shouldn't have to do this. Velma should know your fucking name. (laughs) Maybe they had those masks on, like, most of the time, and they had, like, code names, where it's like, it's going to be safer if we don't know each other's real names. I'm Hot Dog Water. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then would that make Velma's codename V? Maybe. Because then Marcy could have just had the codename M. Well, not when hot dog water's sitting on the table. <laughs> who, cle- who wouldn't want that each other previously? Name. It's so funny if they have to have codenames when they already know each other. Um, And then, yeah, I had another note here just questioning. Is she still working for Mr. E? And we'll have to see as the episodes play out. Didn't seem like she was doing it so willingly. Otherwise, why would he have to make those threats? She's fallen in love with Velma because she's a lesbian. 100%. 
but she's also being extorted by a gross man with a neck beard. So, what is she to do? And speaking of gross, unattractive men, Baylor Hotner <laughs> should not be going to high school. Oh my god, he's, he's clearly a grown-ass man, and yet he's walking around high school holding Daphne's hand with books under his arms. It's not happening. He no. is a grown man. He should be keep escorted him, out of that school. Keep him away from the underage children. <laughs> 100%. Also, can I just say, fuck you. Dolphins don't go in a hot tub. Too hot for them. That's how you get soup. <laughs> All soup happens accidentally in my mind. We had soup for dinner tonight. I don't know how it happened. it was just a comedy of errors out there in the kitchen. Now, for the listeners, I do want to clarify, there were no dolphins in our soup. There were, however, some carrots, onion. I'll give you the recipe later. Well, unattractive men, you skipped right over the soccer players. The ones oh, whose, yeah! whose names we might have learned, but I didn't bother to. It's the thick one and the thin one is what I'll call them right now. I'm going to scroll because I'm pretty sure I can tell you that their names are Gary and Ethan. They're pissed off that Fred ditched the team, thereby costing them their scholarships for college next year. Well, they're still this year, isn't there? Surely the soccer team will be filled with another person. And I would think your senior year is when you're getting scholarships. Like, they were so good, maybe they had prospects. You got early admission. You had scouts coming that were impressed. The loss of one other soccer player on the team isn't going to cost you a scholarship, though. No, it's about how you individually play, right? Yeah, you don't take the whole fucking team. Unless the school was like, without Fred Jones, we are cancelling soccer for this year. They did say they were cancelling soccer. However, that seems like the soccer coach's fault for not having one backup player. It's insane that your school would do that. That's an administrative issue. Yeah, take your hate out on the principal. Not the boy who learned his whole life was a lie. Yes, that's the other thing. Fred has a very justifiable reason for abandoning he school. He had a mental breakdown. They should, if they had seen him with the beard, they would understand. I don't think these assholes would. No, they to wouldn't. Be honest. They're very self-involved. Curator Vronsky, uh, and I'm going to mention them together. Anna Arkadyevina. They're. From Russia, they escorted the Baba Yaga house to America after mm-hmm. Mr. E buys it. Um, Didn't seem to approve of Mr. E buying it. No, um, the curator was going on. A, he was talking like Russia is still communist. Yes, 100%. So in this universe, they're still behind the Iron Curtain. The Cold War rages on. It's very sad for them. Without sanctions, though. So you can still buy a house from Russia and have it shipped over. Yeah, I guess. Um, I do agree with the curator when he says that America is a terrible country. And this is so... Like, this is a very problematic, like, of things that museums do. Because he seems to believe this is a, a Russian cultural artifact that should stay in Russia. And the fucking Baba Yaga house... Yes! Yeah. Yes, that's a cultural treasure! Even with proper accreditation, those are like 
What does the Baba Yaga mean to Americans? Nothing. A spooky monster. What does a totem pole mean to a Japanese person? Nothing. A spooky monster. Put him back in BC, for the love of God. Speaking of the Baba Yaga and the Baba Yaga house. Because is the, is the witch Baba Yaga and then the house is just like Baba Yaga's house? Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, so what we have here, we have an old witch with a house with chicken feet. She flies around on a little hover barrel cackling. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into too much description because it's a Baba Yaga house and I encourage everybody here to research the Baba Yaga. Is it fun to say? Hell yeah. And it's cool. It does have CGI chicken feet. Yes. Walk us through everything about the Baba Yaga, Billy. The mastermind behind the Baba Yaga house is actually Curator Grouski. He wanted to smuggle Fabergé eggs into America. How many did he want to smuggle? Oh, a lot. <laughs> Enough that it required an entire house to smuggle them in. Um, and so, since he was a curator, he put all the eggs in the Baba Yaga house that he knew was being sold to America. And then, just like... Jacked up its legs with hydraulics that he learned to operate from being in the special forces. And just went to town on make, making it happen for Fabergé eggs. Because he wanted to be a fat cat capitalist. It's very tempting. He, wa he wants capitalism. Um, he doesn't want capitalism. He wants piracy. I mean, he's stealing shit and selling it. <laughs> <laughs> That's That would have been great if they were like, so you want to be a capitalist now? No, I want to be a pirate. Arr. Not doing a Russian accent. I understand that. Don't tell me. Tell the fucking audience. Audience, I don't know how to do a Russian accent. Hello. Oh, here we go. We, okay, here we go. This is much more Russian than I have now. It's maybe more like a sexy Russian lady, but that's fine. I want to be a pirate. Arr, look at the, my peg leg. The feasibility... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for just taking over. The feasibility, a chicken-legged house is not the route I would take to sell priceless works of art on the black market. Why do you have to smuggle the... I guess because he stole the eggs. Yes. Okay. So that makes sense. I would have done it in a much more, like, a sneaky way. He seems to have a lot of flash to his plan. It's shocking that he doesn't just sell them within Russia. That would have been the move. Because, Bring Americans to you! Because even if we're going back behind the Iron Curtain and this is communist Russia, you still don't think your top political people could afford some... some black market Fabergé eggs? Or at the very least within Europe. Like, who was the contact within America? No one, seemingly. Does Mr. E enjoy a Fabergé egg? I guess that's going to be the that, first person he goes to. That actually would make sense if this was Mr. E trying to ingratiate Marcy within Mystery Inc. If he not only bought the Baba Yaga house, but orchestrated Grouski... Pulling this egg bullshit. I think the mastermind of this plan is Mr. E. 
possible. If you want to take it that route. Fe feasibility, though. How is he making that barrel fly that the witch sits in? I have no idea. Like, there's just, there's, the feasibility, very low. Everyone's in special ops to build these things. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're always revealing that. No, I feel like the average man does not go into special ops. Okay, so I will say, yeah, for Grouski, his plan was very, very bad. But for Mr. E, in a world where that's all going to work, in order to get Marcy as part of the gang, his plan is very, very good. I like Mr. E's plan, which is not confirmed by the canon so far, but I just believe 100% now. Terror scale? This one's tough, because I love the Baba Yaga house. But I've seen scarier Baba Yaga houses. Where? Well, Dude. when I was lost in the, <laughs> that the would, Russian tundra, That Amelia, would be terrifying. A lot of things came to me in the night. <laughs> when you fought that Baba Yaga in that Tomb Raider game, I thought that was pretty damn badass. Yeah. It's done like the Scarecrow missions in Arkham. Mm-hmm. That, that was a 9 or 10. So this is not that. It's just a house with chicken feet. No real terror to be had. I feel bad doing it, but I might go real low and give it like a 4. I'll put it at a 4. Because I'd even put the one from Tomb Raider at a 4. I just don't think a chicken-legged house is that scary. It's pretty silly. It's pretty silly to see a house with chicken legs running at you, and I couldn't tell you if I would actually be scared of that to see it happening in real life. I think what you need to play up is how disgusting a chicken is. And I'm not, I'm not insulting chickens here. You, you are, though, technically. I, I am. But what I mean is any small thing, like really any, any anatomy, when you really look at it, Probably pretty disgusting. So in that, t those chicken's legs, normally small, made big. There's lots of probably folds and The house needs bumps. to have other chicken aspects. That too, feathers. It needs to have windows that like look like little beady chicken eyes off the side of the house and shit like that. Needs to blink at you. I think a blinking house is scarier than a running house. Yeah. And the CGI was very clean. I want the house to feel very organic. Wood and flesh. These are organic features. So yeah. Love the Baba Yaga. Not a fan of this interpretation. In, in, in terror scale qualities. It also has a weird little Russian turret at the top. That wasn't required. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings, Amelia? Uh, I thought when Velma and Hot Dog Water were walking through the woods in search of the Baba Yaga house, it, it was very nice background they had. It was excellent colors and textures, and the angle that was used was, was intriguing. Mm -hmm. Interesting visuals continue in this series. I just wanted to say that I thought it was neat how we had a lot of van time in this episode. I, I would say, like, probably about half of this episode takes place while they're in the van. And considering you're trying to get a new member of the gang in, play up new dynamics, that was very smart. Overall, 
an interesting episode. A lot of meat to it. If I were to rank it, I'm giving it a Scooby-Doo. I will also give it a Scooby-Doo. Fair. Next episode is the conclusion to the man-baby clown. The Night the Clown Cried 2. Tears of Doom. Still very odd that they broke it up with the House of the Nightmare Witch. Where, like, if I was to give a real criticism of the House of the Nightmare Witch, why isn't the baby here? We get mention of Crybaby Clown, how they fucked up catching him. So maybe, but like, they only fucked up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, if Daphne had showed up, Crybaby Clown would have been caught. So, like, Crybaby Clown has got to retreat a bit and rethink his tactics well, i think but here's the thing in the whole okay so he's retreated because i was gonna say in episode one the town was post-apocalyptic i wouldn't say that there were some colorful fireworks there are set they off. were certainly on some sort of lockdown and I it just it know. just seems too normal in this episode well it doesn't hurt this episode but it hurts what if you're trying to create a three episode arc it hurts that Think of it like the Joker, okay? One day the Joker is running around being crazy. Yeah, you put the town on lockdown. The next day, Joker's nowhere to be seen. Maybe Batman punched his face in, maybe not. But he's not out and about right now. Business as usual. We got shit to do. (laughs) Gotta go to the bank, okay? I guess. (laughs) I suppose. Listeners, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us both on Twitter. My handle is at TheBillySeguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dews. You can also find all our old episodes streaming on YouTube, Tumblr, and our WordPress, all under Scooby Doos or Scooby Don'ts. You can throw us a couple dollars monthly on Patreon or a one-time donation on Ko-fi. And we have outside projects that you can invest some time in as well. I have a YouTube channel under Fatal Amelia going to start posting on it again. I was just a little upset after my last video got copyright striked by Miramax. Uh, Billy, still working on his Doctor Who book. No, it's not out yet. (laughs) Just an update. He's still going. Going. He's still going, everyone. Next year, I will make sure you know where you can pick it up. Also, wash your damn hands. (laughs) Yes. Just a friendly reminder from the hosts of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts, because we love all our listeners. And we want you to be safe. And on that note. That's it from Scooby Dooby Us. To Scooby Dooby You. Also, speaking as someone who works at a grocery store, stop panic buying toilet paper. It's not going to help you. (laughs) Unless you're trying to create realistic mummy costume. And hear me out on this. 